that's what spring is for. Now we can assess the talent and make the proper uh, adjustments uh, from the portal shortly thereafter. And I love that because there's going to be a lot of talent in the portal shortly thereafter to garnish. Change has to be provoked, and that's why we're here. If it was great, I wouldn't be here. We just got to find the type of kids that are who we are, and we will, expeditiously. But I don't want them to get uh, misguided because what you see is not what you're going to see. You heard that? What you see is not what you're going to see, okay? And that's a loaded response. Uh, you all know that uh, we're going to move on from, from some some of the team members and we're going to reload and and get some kids that we really identify with. So it, it's this process is going to be uh, quick. It's going to be fast, but uh, we're going to get it done. The team that we're playing with now is not the team that we're going to play with in Texas the first game. Do I need to say any more? Welcome into a new host spring ball mid-portal madness Buff Stampede Radio. Adam Munster Tiger, the publisher of BuffStampede.com on the 24-7 Sports Network. Joined by football analyst William Gardner. William, before we get into all this portal talk, because that's really going to dominate this show, I wanted to get your reaction to the to the spring game. We haven't had a chance to talk since mid-spring ball. Well, I think it's, uh, um, you know, I think everybody wanted 70 degrees and sunny skies and that didn't work out. But, uh, you know, one of the, one of the sort of amazing things to me is that um, Coach Prime and this staff, they can turn anything into an extravaganza. You know, it's kind of like the, the Ringling Brothers Circus came into town or something and it was just uh, unprecedented and unusual. And I don't, you know, I don't know if they have it like that, if that's maybe par for the course at Ohio state or Alabama or someplace like that. But even with all the cold weather and the, and the rain and the snow, you know, it was still uh, nuts. You know, I, I, I thought, well, gee, maybe the, maybe the weather will keep people away. And it was a full house and it, I mean, it was a full house. Um, you know, you know, some, some areas weren't open for seating, obviously, but uh, a lot of people, a lot of excitement, a lot of recruits there. Um, so it was just really, uh, uh, it, it was quite an event. Um, and the, with the media and the way it was played out with, uh, uh, you know, the ESPN announcers and what have you, and, and the opportunity, all, all those former buffs there for kids to meet and for uh, uh, fans to meet. I, it, it, was, it was just, aside from the weather, it really lived up to every expectation. There was so much positivity in Folsom Field on April 22nd. Yeah, despite the weather, uh, a little bit different being in the press box during the spring game. But that was one of the most fun experiences I've had covering this program. Just to, to have that energy back in the program uh, was incredible. And, and it was crazy. The press box felt like a real game because of how yeah. many people were in it. Yeah, it's kind of crazy from all over the country just coming to see what's going on. That you know, this staff they don't really make excuses and they don't let anything get them down. It's like uh, the weather's the weather; we can't change it. So let's roll. We got we got our plan. We're going to keep on going with our plan. We're not changing it. Um, you know, the game itself was it was a spring game. You know, I don't know. I mean, at least it was a game between both sides. I guess uh, um, 
but it was fun, you know, see what guys were doing out there and, and all that kind of stuff. But uh, uh, it, it was a heck of an event, and they had a lot of guys there for recruiting, and I think it's paying off in terms of guys committing and what have you. And what you keep hearing from these recruits is the energy and the excitement and the plan, that there's a plan for everything, which is something that's been missing for a long time at CU. But, you know, I mean, I think um, – I don't know if you meant to talk about the actual game itself, but um, we can. I don't know how much you really want to take from that, though, to be honest with you. Right. Well, that's what I mean. I, I think, that you know, there, it, it would be general, you know, sort of general takes. And I think, you know, I think this offense is going to look really good. And I think there's question marks on defense, but I think there's a lot of work to do on defense. I think that uh, Shadur Sanders is a very good quarterback. Uh, I think that was clear. He made reads, got the ball out to people. Um, uh, you know, seeing, seeing, um, uh, Hunter up, up close for the first time. I mean, you, you just can't escape the fact that he is special. Even with all those other great athletes out there, you, you watch that guy. It's like, it, it's, it's ridiculous. Almost. It, it's, it's like some NFL all pro came back to play in this game. Um, he just makes it so effortless. So, uh, a few things, you know, like I, I think the offensive line could be pretty darn good. Uh, but then, I don't know, you know, maybe our defensive front wasn't very good. Who, who could tell, right? So I guess those are sort of the general things um, that kind of come to mind. Um, and that that's about it, I guess. That is about it, yeah, because the roster already looks so different than right, it did right, at the right. spring game, right? But, yeah, to your point about Travis Hunter, and I said this in an analysis video with Brian during spring ball, if folks didn't get a chance to watch those, I, and I would go back and watch those because we shared a lot of our thoughts throughout spring ball. But I, I got in a debate with somebody on a satellite radio show that was saying it was irresponsible of Colorado and Coach Prime to ask Travis Hunter to play as much as they're going to ask him to play both ways. And my response to that was, if you're making that argument about 99.9% of guys, I would agree with you, but Travis Hunter is that 0.1%. You mentioned he could be out there against other great athletes and still stand out. That's the, yeah. the type of special talent that he is. Well, I don't know how it's irresponsible. I mean, I guess maybe he's susceptible to more injury, but got, you know, guys come here to play ball. They don't come here to sit on the sidelines. If they can go both ways, it's a rare guy that can actually do it. And and not only, you know, it's like, so like generally speaking, in order to go both ways, you have to be effective going both ways. This guy's electric, both directions, electric, you know, potentially the best at his position at either wide receiver or defensive back. And I don't see anybody that's going to cover him. Why would you not have him on? On the field i like seeing you know we'll get into this i'm sure but i like seeing them bring in some of these other cornerbacks so that we don't have to play them on defense if we don't want to that it'd be a luxury but my goodness why why would you not get have the ball in this guy's hands every play on both sides of the ball if you if you could do it today's episode of buff stampede radio is brought to us by macaulay capital fractional cfo services if you're running a successful small to medium-sized business you have an impressive set of skills, but as your company grows, you face new and different challenges. When you eclipse $3 million in revenue, you likely have a whole new set of financial challenges. Are you looking for financial guidance and support, but don't have the resources to hire a full-time CFO? Well, we have a solution for you. Hire a fractional CFO from Macaulay Capital. 
A fractional CFO can work with businesses on a part-time basis, providing the same expertise as a full-time CFO at a fraction of the cost. You get the benefit of having a seasoned financial expert on your team without the commitment or expense of a full-time hire. They love to help your business thrive by improving its profitability and eliminating your financial headaches. Get a long-term partner you can trust to help craft your financial strategy, understand the profitability of each client, help manage your cash smartly so you can take advantage of rising interest rates and more. It's likely that a partnership with Macaulay Capital will be a win-win situation, meaning that your business will make more money from the guidance of a fractional CFO than the total cost of partnering with Macaulay Capital. For more information or to set up a meeting, visit MacaulayCapital.com or email CFO at MacaulayCapital.com. That's M-C-C-A-U-L-E-Y Capital.com. Coach Prime said he loves his Florida boys. He's a, a Fort Myers product himself. And William, they, I mean, they're just loading up with guys with ties to the Sunshine State just in the last week. They've landed Florida State defensive back transfer Omari and Cooper, junior college offensive lineman Kareem Harden, who's from Florida. They've pulled in Florida offensive line transfer David Connor, Alabama defensive back transfer Jacquez Robinson, Florida State transfer Brendan Gant, and Auburn receiver transfer Tavarish Dawson, Dawson Flip from Cincinnati. And then you got to throw in, if you're going to have this t- talk about Florida boys coming to Boulder, you got to talk about Cormani McClain the top-ranked cornerback in the country coming in this summer. It's going to have a, a real SEC slash ACC feel to it, this roster. Well, I think I think so. And, you know, and I think uh, Florida is, is, in terms of population, is one of the bigger states in the country, and it's nice weather there all the time. So athletes really develop. There's a lot of speed that comes out of that state, and speed something that, you know, people talk about the speed in the South. Well, you know, if you transplant that speed into the Pac-12, you know, it's going to be different than what uh, people are used to seeing here uh, on a regular basis. So the other other thing is that that's that's where he feels comfortable and that's where Coach Prime's roots are. Uh, so he has his uh, connections there and what have you. So it just kind of makes sense. You know, I guess people, you know, I, I, I wait for people on the board to say, oh, you know, but Southern kids don't stick around. But, you know, with with. Uh, Deion Sanders as, as your head coach, I think it's a whole different story, especially with, you know, a, a couple of big name coaches from Alabama and, and what have you like that. But uh, I think everybody that comes here from down there is kind of blown away by what they see and experience in Boulder so far. So I, it, it, it's kind of a no brainer move. I don't think anybody else really could have done it except maybe Deion Sanders, um, you know, to make Florida a, a state, uh, a well sort of a well state for uh cu football but uh it, it seems like a no-brainer idea for him it's kind of like huh what what's the big deal yeah they tried it with jim levitt and tumpkin having ties down there they might have had one other assistant coach and they pulled in a few guys from florida johnny huntley joel meese but those guys just didn't pan out and then there was yeah there was this problem with louisiana players coming in getting homesick yeah. not fitting in and going back. But yeah, now that this staff has all those ties and even, you know, down to the training table, they're having more of that kind of that Southern feel around the program. Right. I think it's a little bit different deal. Uh, could you worry? Okay. Well, when coach prime leaves Boulder, when that happens is, could that be a major issue? Yeah, sure. But 
you can't live in 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 that realm right now if you're colorado right. or colorado fan you just have to enjoy this process because uh let's face it we've seen this offseason that uh roster turn- turnover can be so rapid nowadays anyway that right. um it's just a different world in college football and yeah you've got to utilize your ties and i think these kids are going to feel more at home than maybe some of those other guys from the south that they brought in under former staffs in boulder well, they're not going to be they're not going to be the two or three guys on the team anymore. You know, they're going to be a, a, a large number of guys on the team. And then you know, the other thing is that you got to have success. You know, if you have success, guys don't give a darn. It's like they just want to be part of a team that wins. I mean, look at all the guys from all over the country when Nebraska was great. They would go to that dump, and and nobody had a problem with it as long as you're winning games. Um, and the, you know, the portal the portal era is different. You know, get used to it, fellas, because it, it's not college football the way you used to know it, not even a year ago. And so guys will come and they'll be one year guys or two year guys. And if they're not satisfied where they are, they can go somewhere else. So, um, uh, you know, I'm not e- I'm not even remotely interested in talking about anything about when prime leaves. Yeah, might be next year, might be 10 years from now. But right now we're in the middle of this and he wants to win now and one thing I love about him is like, you know, he, he's not buying his, oh, you know, if you win four games, it's a success. Uh, he might burn the place down if he only wins four games because that's not who he is. And, and you know, the only thing I got to say about it is this guy's been talking big his whole life. And so far as I know, he has not ever once not backed it up and done it. So, I'm, you know, if, if, for no other reason, I'm optimistic for that reason. He's bringing in the kind of guys now, you know, you know, you got to mesh them together and make them into a team. Um, and so that'll be a challenge, but uh, they're certainly bringing in the kind of talent to compete on the field. So, you know, Florida is no brainer to me, go where you're comfortable and, and bring in guys. Yeah. These are unprecedented times in college football and specifically with what Colorado is doing. This roster turnover is catching national attention. I've done a lot of radio interviews across the country in in Duluth, Minnesota, Omaha, Nebraska, down in the South. Everybody's talking about Colorado because they see this number of guys, 50 scholarship players that have transferred out of the program since last season concluded. And it just, it shocks your system when you see that number. Uh, But it is unprecedented. So we don't know how this is going to play out. You can't say it's not going to work because we haven't seen it before. TCU brought in a ton of transfers. They had new coordinators and I did the stupid thing of picking Colorado to win that game against TCU in the opener last year, because so many fresh faces, I just thought it would take time to mesh. Now it did take a half for it to mesh and then it all came together. Uh, But it can be done putting together a lot of new pieces. Uh, I don't know what to expect, but, if you're having issues with this, you need to sit back and remember that a year ago, Carl Durrell was a head coach of Boulder. Well, and, and I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but you know, I struggled with it. Honest to God, the first that, you know, when it first started happening after the spring game or actually a week before the spring game and it first started happening, you know, I've, I've been doing college football since 1978 and, and you know it's always been the things like you got the young guys you watch them get better and come up through the program and the whole nine yards and, um now i don't know you know now now as it was starting to happen i was like well you know we're gonna have 75 mercenaries coming in and do i have to 
I guess I have to change my way of thinking and just see the CU uniform because I'm not going to know the guys that are inside of it, right? So it's a whole new paradigm of college football to me as a guy who's always known who all the players are and followed their their exploits and things like that. So I, I, I don't blame anybody that's struggling with it, but it is how it's going to be. So either get yeah. used to it or you're going to have to move on. And this isn't going to happen every offseason, right? You're getting yeah. in. Uh, I do think as long as Coach Prime is around, they will utilize the portal more uh, than most programs nationally. But right. you're not going to have 50 guys leaving the program no, ever I again. And, I, and But, you know, it does raise the question, you know, how much do you actually bring in high school kids? You know, if your goal is to bring in guys that can play now, is there any point to bringing in guys that you have to develop because you develop them for two years and then they go somewhere else? I don't know. People are going to have to figure that out. Well, this is a little off topic, but I do think you're going to start to see a real big shift in NIL going away from high school recruits. And I think you're already starting to yeah, see this trend right. take place to where the NIL money is going to be more for those transfers. Right. Somebody and so it's sad, though, because that's going to create a lot of farm teams out there. Right. And we saw yeah. that happen with Colorado before Coach Prime yeah. got to Boulder. You're going to see it at the group of five. You know, somebody at, at Fresno State blows up and they, you're going to have a hard time. If you're not one of the elites of keeping those guys around, so th that part's sad. No, there's no question. I was uh, talking how NIL and the transfer portal was going to have this negative backlash long before it ever became enacted. But then there also becomes this point to where this is the new reality. At some point, you're just an old man yelling at clouds. You have to accept that it's not going back to the way that it was, unfortunately. Right. So, uh, and and you know, it's like everything else in life. Everything every. Everything changes. That's the one commonality of life is things change. People don't like change, but that's the one thing that you know is going to happen every day. And you adapt or you don't. And if you don't adapt, you, you fall by, by the wayside. And so it's going to be a whole new thing. A lot of these current head coaches are not going to fit, not going to make it because they're not used to this. And so the ones like Prime who who can adapt to the new system are going to are going to thrive and others are not. So it will be interesting. I think there's going to be big changes in the next few years in college football. We talked about the influx of talent from Florida. Let's talk about the mass exodus th that's been happening in terms of players leaving the program. We didn't prep for this, William, but let's go down the list of the departures and quickly say whether we think it's good attrition or bad attrition now. When we say it's good attrition, that means that it's not necessarily a guy that has no potential, can't go somewhere else and, and have success, but it's a guy that where Colorado is in terms of building things from one and 11 to hopefully uh, in Coach Prime's eyes competing for Pac-12 championships, whether this is a step in terms of uh, basically can they upgrade this position? Does that make sense? Yeah, and I guess I guess that you know there's kind of two ways. I mean, one one way looking at it is, is this somebody that can play and help you next year? And then secondarily, is this somebody who can play and help you maybe within the next two years, max maximum three, right? Something yeah, like that, at, at that level. All right, let's go with the guys that have landed somewhere else already. Uh, let's start with yeah. Owen McCown. And, is that good attrition or bad attrition? And, and I guess we should put a, a disclaimer out there and say, hey, don't. Beat me up on the board because, you know, everybody's got an opinion. So, yeah. yeah. This is uh, an exercise where you kind of have to take the emotion out. Yeah. Uh, 
And that's going to be tough for me with some of these guys that I've known, right. like a Travis Gray, since he was, right. uh, you know, a junior in high school and you develop this re- reputation and you want him around because you have that relationship. And it, it, it didn't feel good when Montana Lamonius Craig and Jordan Tyson hit the portal. Like no Colorado fan felt good about that. Uh, so uh, I get that. But for this, it's all about on-field product here. Yeah. Owen right. McCann, is that good or a bad attrition? That's good. Opinion? Good attrition. Right. Are you keeping score for both of us? I am. And I'm going to, I'm actually going to go bad attrition there uh, just because the biggest issue in the court in the program right now is backup quarterback. And he could have been that, but I totally understand why he needs to go somewhere and pave his own path. He's going to be a really good player at UTSA. That's a great level for him. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I think it's good attrition because he, you know, he, nobody's going to stay to be the guy behind Shadur anyway. And, you know, we got better guys coming up behind him in my, in my view. Okay. JT Shroud. <laughs> Good. Agree there. Brendan Lewis. Good. Good attrition. I agree. Let's move along. <laughs> Don't need to spend any more time talking about what we saw at the quarterback position in Boulder the last two years. Well, I guess we, actually, hold on, hold on, hold on. Years. Maddox cop. We got one more. Good. I agree. Do, do we need to spend more time on, on that? William? I don't believe so. <laughs> Let's turn the page here. Receiver Chase Henry. Uh, uh, good attrition primarily because they're bringing in guys that are better, but I think he's going to do well where he goes. We're at Boise. Yeah. We were seeing Travis Hunter and Jimmy Horn play receiver this spring. That's yeah. what makes me say this is a good attrition, but I don't feel great about it. I think Chase Penry is going to do really nice things at Boise right. State. He's right. a good player, but I uh, had to deal with some injuries here. So it's unfortunate. I think he could have had a role, but, man, the, the talent they're bringing in at that position, I think you've got to put it there. Right. Uh, tight end Austin Smith. Good. I agree. And, again, a lot of potential there, but man, it might be till his senior year until he puts it together because he it just came in so raw. Right. So and I, I, yeah. And I'm sorry. It, it, it also, you know, watching the Kent State videos that they just don't seem to use a tight end that much. And and he's not the and the three that they kept are more traditional types and he's not. Tight end Zach Courtney. Good. Yeah, that's an easy one. Offensive lineman Casey Roddick. One year of eligibility left. Bad. I agree there. He would have been one of the starting guards. Yeah. Outstanding team leader, just a great human being. He's going to do really well in life. Yeah. I, I will be looking for him in, in a Florida State uniform and be cheering him on. Yeah, morning. I'll be looking for him in the NFL draft in a couple of years. This is a tough one, at least in my opinion. Offensive lineman Jake Wiley. Uh, I think it's bad. Um, I think it's a loss, and I think Bill O'Boyle, uh, Bill O'Boyle agrees with me. And they wanted to keep him around, um, you know, and I think he he left because he's not beating out Tank and he's not beating out Washington. And I think he wants to play tackle. Um, and it's bad in the sense that I think he's going to do real well at UCLA and he's got a lot of talent. Um, but at the same time, they're bringing in some big old boys and I think we're going to be okay without him. Yeah, I'm going to put him in bad attrition as well. This is a situation where if you're Colorado, you feel kind of bad because you've invested not, not – uh, the, the current coaches, but just the program in general, invested a lot of time in him and trying to develop him and it's happening. But now when he puts it all together, it's going to be in another PAC 12 uniform. Right. 
right. Austin Johnson going to Charlotte. Big salsa. Uh, that's that's good attrition. Good attrition. That he, seems you know, like the right level for him. Right, right. I I like him as a player, but he's clearly you know a level at least a level below the guys we've got at guard right now. Offensive lineman Noah Fenske going to Southern Illinois. Easy. That's a bad or good attrition. Excuse me. Yeah. Defensive lineman Janaz Jordan. I, this, he was already off the team. Let's not include him. Yeah. Uh, linebacker Aubrey Smith going to Houston. I think that's bad attrition. I think the kid can play, and I think he's going to be a real star down there. He earned his number this spring. Was only one yeah. of 13 buffs to do it. So that's all I, I think I need to say there. Cornerback Kalen Moore going to Cal. Good. This is kind of like, yeah, this is kind of like Chase Penry in the sense that, like, in previous years, it wouldn't be good attrition. But when you have uh, Cormani McClain, Travis Hunter, and Kendrick Breedlove transferring in, like, you've got top, top level. Whereas Keelan Moore is a a solid Pac-12 corner, but not to that level. Well, and he's no Jack Kez Robinson. I mean, you know. Uh, so that 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 one again to me is what the what the talent they're bringing in is an easy one. Oki Salabea. Uh I think it's good in the sense that uh, I think Oki's going to be a player, and I think he wound up at a really good spot for him, but it's going to be a few years. Yeah, he's kind of a man without a position. A tweener, right. I guess, would be a way to put it. Um, and I, I think Hawaii greats. Uh, you can't really get too close to playing college football, close to American Samoa, but it's closer right. Than, right. than where he was. And uh, well, so, culturally, a lot closer too. Yeah. And then kicker Cole Becker going to Utah. Uh, that's kind of one I kind of want to wait and see, but I guess I guess I'm going to say I'm going to say bad because he's a pretty good kicker and he's at a, he's at a top rival. That was an easy one. Why were you hesitating there? I don't know because he's a kicker. <laughs> okay. You know, we well, you bring... you need somebody to play that role for this football team. Yeah, they got some guys on the team. We'll see. You know, there's been a lot of controversy about whether they, how far they kick or whatever. But we'll see. When you were a line coach or a lineman yourself, did a kicker like kick a ball in the back of your head or something to ignite this hatred for for his kind? No, I, I just remember back in the back in the days, you know, in, in practice at CU, and they'd be off in a different part of the field, you know, kicking their balls and then laying in the shade, and everybody else is sweating and dying, and you know, and then Coach Mack would go, "Okay, well, here we're going to kick a field goal, see which side runs," and the some bitch come on and miss the field goal, and your side has to run, and you know, and, and then I remember the like three years in a row, Florida State lost the national championship because some jack wagon couldn't get it through the uprights. <laughs> They're not even athletes, man. All right. Well, you have <laughs> They do have maybe the most stressful job. But, well, no, not the most stressful job. That would obviously be the quarterback and other some other positions. But in that moment at the end of games, I mean, I don't want to be – I don't want would want to be that kicker. <laughs> yeah, I get it. All right, quarterback Drew Carter. Uh, good attrition. Running back Deion Smith. That's a tough uh, one. I, I think that's good. I, I, I just, he just too fragile. I'm going to say good attrition because only thing, the only reason why is that that just opens the door for a little bit more Dylan Edwards on the field yeah. this fall. Running back Victor Venn. 
Uh, that's good attrition. I think Dylan replaces him, and he hadn't shown that he was going to do anything anyway. Hard to say definitively, but yeah, Edwards is kind of a similar back, but to another level uh, in terms of just overall playmaking ability. Running back, Jaylee Stacks. Well, I kind of liked him, um, and I haven't seen that we've replaced him yet, but uh, um, I'll call him good. But I still think we need to get that signature running back in here. Not sure if Smoke is that guy. Yeah, good attrition for me as well. I liked actually him when he was in more of a fullback role back in 2021. Yeah. He just was trying to fit a square peg through a round hole when they were trying to make him a traditional back. And then they've got uh, Victory Johnson's older brother that transferred in yeah. uh, that's playing fullback for him now. He was running with the ones in some of the short yard situations uh, right. during spring ball. Why am I blanking on his name? He's got an awesome name too. Uh, Champion or Victory? Champion. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say that. Yes. Yep, that's it. Which one is which? All right, Jordan Tyson. Uh, I'm not going to say good. I think that's bad attrition. But then again, the, the big question mark is when was when is he going to be ready? You know, and if you if you need guys that are going to play in game one and and be ready to roll, I don't know if he's going to be that guy. But um, I think he's pretty close to the equal of any of the guys they're bringing in. Yeah, he's maybe not going to be 100% when the season starts, but he's recovering pretty well. It kept him out of spring ball, which is unfortunate, but he's a really good player. And I, I don't quite know why people keep underestimating him yeah. as much as they do. He went to Allen High School in Texas, one of the top programs in that state, balled out his senior year. Some incredible catches there. And Colorado was his only Power 5 opportunity. He turns heads moment one. Yeah. Starts to become one of the top playmakers in the conference as a freshman and then gets right. hurt. And I don't know, like that to me, that's maybe the worst attrition on this team because he's still got three years yeah. of eligibility. Right. So, it, you know, he did every, he did what he did against power five competition. I mean, I, I just don't understand the people talking him down or trying to say, Oh, well, the one thing I'm getting tired of hearing is, Oh, he, he played on a one eleven team. He must not be any good. Well then send Jimmy Horn and, um, the other kid back to South Florida. I mean, who, that's got nothing to do with it, you know. And, and frankly, if there's fewer weapons, then he's easier to cover, right? Double, triple team him, and the guy still got it done. So I just don't understand people that don't put him in the same level as all the other receivers we got in here. Montana Lamonius Craig. Uh, that's another one. Um, I like him a lot. I he, you know, he hadn't done anything yet on the field. Um, a little bit, but um, man, that's maybe the toughest one of the whole thing. I, I, I think I'm going to call that good attrition because I think we're going to bring in some guys that are better and already have Weaver, you know, whatever. Yeah, I'm torn there. I was not hesitating at all with Jordan Tyson. That that's a loss. I mean, he right. just right. visited Oklahoma. He's going to end up at a good program. Finally. Somebody's actually valuing his skills. Lamonius Craig just didn't have the consistency, uh, but it would be nice to have him as your fourth or fifth receiver. Right. So I'm going to say bad attrition, but good for him for kind of cashing in on the spring game. Now, right. 98 of those yards came where nobody covered him, and then right. a walk-on missed a tackle. <laughs> uh, 
he's a good player and he's made some, made some really incredible catches. Uh, big catch in the win over Washington back in was that 2021. Uh, obviously, the, the catch against Cal last year, their only win, uh, and, and had a nice spring game and is a good player, developed nice right. chemistry. Uh, the fact that he had that chemistry with the Sanders also adds to it being bad attrition because he was somebody that had seemingly bought in and yeah. then kind of shocked everybody by hitting the portal. Well, and I think he surprised even, even you know, Shadur and, and Dion as far as leaving. I don't think anybody thought he was leaving. Let's, we got some more receivers to run through here. Chase Sowell. That's good attrition. I agree there. I think he has a chance going group of five to be a pretty good player. Also, yeah. who knows? He's a really good baseball player and could have done that coming out of high school. Receiver Grant Page. Good attrition. Yeah, he's working rust off after having that torn ACL. just hard to say exactly when he's going to be yeah. a, a Pac-12 caliber type receiver. It wasn't going to be in 2023, so that's good attrition for me. Receiver Ty Robinson. Good attrition. I agree with you. Yeah, it's just not clear to me that he belongs at this level. Here's an interesting one. Seydou Traore. Uh, well, it's, it's almost like not attrition at all because he never played for us. But um, I, I have to say, I'm, I'm going to say it's good attrition because clearly there's an issue there. I don't know what it is. Maybe you do. But uh, there's a problem you know, the one that one clue we have is uh, Brewster talking about, you know, having a hand on the ground and blocking. Um, but uh, clearly he wasn't happy here. And I don't want guys around that aren't happy. And I'm going to go back also to watching the film of Kent State. They just don't seem to use a tight end that much except as a blocker. So and, and then, I, you know, you look at the talent we got at the wide receiver spot. What was he bringing to the team? You know. As a big, was he going to be the big wide receiver? He's going to be a you know three steps slower than anybody else out there. So I don't think you know it's like, um, was it a good idea to bring him in? Yeah, sure. And he didn't fit. He needs to move where he's going to fit. So I call that good. I'm going to say the same thing, and and I hope this doesn't come off as like some type of sour grapes because it just didn't work out for him in Boulder because he is talented. I mean, you can't catch 50 passes at the college level, albeit Arkansas State, and yeah. not be a really good player. But it was not a good fit from everything I heard. And I think it's better when you can realize that and move in your own separate right. directions than trying to force it, right? Right. Uh, and so, yeah. I think it's I think it's a good thing for him, too. You know, it's like, go find a place where you're a better fit. Offensive lineman Travis Gray. I really like Travis a lot. I think down the road, I think, you know, fourth or fifth year, he's going to be a guy who can play pretty well. But that said, you know, <clears throat> the guys that they're bringing in are not that far ahead of him in terms, you know, maybe a year or two older and way ahead of him in terms of their uh, abilities. Um, I think he has talent. He just doesn't have, he's just so unpolished and, you know, maybe not as, as uh, mobile as some of the other guys we haven't tackled. So I would call that good attrition, even though I'm sad to see him go. And I really wanted to watch him develop. Yeah. What's interesting about him, William, is that I could see him, developing late in his college career and getting drafted, or I could see him possibly never starting a college game. I could yeah. see it really going one of either ways because he certainly got the physical attributes and right. he's got a great attitude, a great personality. Right. Can he put it all together? I, I really have no idea. 
based on what I've heard from coaches that have coached him at CU, I'm going to label it in the good attrition because it wasn't going to be a situation where he was going to be on the fields this year or maybe right. not even next year. Um, but I would not be shocked if he puts it all together. I really don't know what to yeah. think of him and his potential. You got He's got all the physical attributes, but some, with some guys, you never know quite if the light's ever going to come on. All right, offensive lineman Jackson Anderson. Uh, good attrition. I agree. Alex Harkey, you know, another just, offensive lineman. Just, just, just to speak on that a little bit, watching some of the video of him as a second-team second center, as an offensive line, it, it was painful to watch. And so good for him. He needs to go where he needs to be. He's just not quick enough. Anyways, don't mean to beat up on that. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> It's good to have context to this. Yeah. And, and we're, again, we're not trying to be brutal. I think we're going to be, we see, I, I can't really play the fan role often, but when they transfer somewhere else, you know, if I'm on the couch, I, I'm always going to be rooting for these former buffs. So this is not anything um, that we're have ill will towards any of these guys. We, we definitely hope they do well. This exercise can kind of be brutal at times, right? Offensive lineman, Alex Harkey. Uh, good attrition. I don't think that, you know, we're not going to miss a beat with him. He, he, he was just not living. He's not the same level the guys were bringing in. Offensive lineman, Luke Eckhart. Uh, he's another one like Travis Gray. I'd like to see what happens with him. But again, given the, the talent we're bringing in, I don't think it's a loss. So I'd call that good attrition. But I'm going to keep an eye on him because I think he might turn into something. Yousef. Muhar Bill. That's a big surprise. Uh, but then watching those videos of the winter conditioning, it's not too big of a surprise. And um, uh, I would call that good attrition because, man, he, even after winter conditioning, he was a long way from being in shape. Okay. This is going to be a tough one. And I'm going good attrition there as well. Yeah. Cool. Uh, again, it, it, if it's clearly not a fit with those guys that they're right. here 15 practices and already hitting the portal again. Yeah. Defense alignment, Jalen Sami. I think that's bad attrition. I think regardless of who they bring in, he's a guy that starts. And uh, I, 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 you know, look at that Sal Sinceri interview. And quite frankly, he was impressed with Jalen Sami. He just said he needed to get in better shape to be able to play more more snaps in a row. Um, and I think he's a guy who would have played a lot for us and been very effective. So I call that that that's an easy one for me. That's bad attrition. That's a that's a bad loss. I'm going to disagree with you. All right. It's okay to be wrong. <laughs> this is maybe not fair to, to Jalen Sami. Just some of these defensive linemen that have been around lately, Terrence Lang, Neem Rodman, we'll get to him later, Jalen Sami, they have this potential, and I just don't see the improvement out of these guys year to year. And I get that there's a new staff. Maybe that Sal Sanzari could get they that out of these guys. but. If you're Jalen Sami, you've been part of CU's program since 2017. I think it's good for him to go somewhere else, get a fresh start, new scenery, kind of like Casey Roddick. He's been through all these different position coaching changes. And I think for Colorado, just to kind of flush out a little bit of, again, I'm not putting a 1-11 on Jalen Sami, but just getting some new bodies in there for change for the sake of change in this I don't, in I don't disagree with that, but I don't think it's fair to say he didn't show any progress because he didn't have any coaching. And I mean that all 
every year you shake your head, but tell, show me who he had that's worth a damn as a coach because Chris Wilson was checked out and didn't coach the defensive line worth a darn. And then they kept bringing in these new guys that are in their first year. Um, and, and I don't think the guy ever got any, any good coaching here. So people don't understand how much you have to be taught how to play either line at this level. And you have to develop players. Now you, I, I watched just in the course of those spring practices, Sal Sinceri teaching fundamental issues that should have been taught years ago to these guys and struggling to get it through to some of them because they've never been taught that. So I think, you know, he goes somewhere and, and I, I think I agree with you that, that, you know, for his own sake, he needs to get out of here maybe. But um, I think he's a guy that, that, that with Sal Sinceri's teaching really could have blossomed and turned into something. Yeah. It would have been a fun process to see what Jalen Sami could have been under him. I just, I don't think that they meshed all that well. And and he kind of started out on the wrong foot, you know, not knowing the expectations early during spring ball. And I know that he got better as spring ball went on, but I don't know. I think for him, it sounds like he might go to Boise state Yeah, just to have a fresh start somewhere. I think would that, be good yeah. for him. And that'd be a good fit. And, and, and you know, I, this, this, I want to just segue into telling people, look, you're bringing, they're bringing in some defensive linemen. There ain't, they're, they're I like them all, but there aren't any of them that are not that are can't miss going to the NFL guys. Okay, so you know we got five defensive linemen. The best of the bunch is Cokes, I think, by far. But it's no sure thing that all these guys they're bringing in pan out. That's a good point. Yeah, defensive lineman Alan Baugh. Yeah, that's good attrition. He never belonged at this level. Defensive lineman Tyus Martin. Uh, I, 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 this is another controversial one. I, I think that's bad attrition. I think Tyus Martin has a future and I think he's got the size to do it. Um, you know, but he's going to need more developing than some other guys. And, um, so I, I personally think that's bad attrition. I think we could have used him. Really like Tyus a lot. Uh, just that back. I don't know that that's a, a tough deal with him and I, I hope he plays and stays healthy forever, but I'm going to put that in. Good attrition. Defensive lineman, Naeem Rodman. I think that's bad attrition, too. I think he's played a couple of years at the Pac-12 level and showed that he's very stout. He's not the kind of guy that escapes blocks and, you know, makes plays in the backfield, you know. Um, but uh, he's clearly showed he can play at this level and do fairly well. So uh, I don't know that there's anybody we brought in that's significantly better. I think he's as good as or better than um, – What's his name? The guy from uh, Fort Fresno State, um, Leonard Payne. Leonard Payne, yeah. So I think that's I think that's bad attrition. We'll see who else we bring in. If we wind up with six or seven decent guys, that's great. But he was a guy who clearly could play at this level. It's tough because he was hurt this spring, so it's hard to say yeah. how he was taking the Sincere's coaching and um, in that sense. But but I, I've got to kind of stick with what I did with Sami, and I'm going to go good attrition here. You've officially passed me on the, the bad attrition side of things, but just by one, we're pretty close. Yeah. Defense alignment, Ryan Williams. That's good attrition. He was very borderline for this level. Aaron Austin. Good attrition. The guy, he's a man without a position here at, at the P5 level. Taylor Upshaw, another in and out. Uh, well, I, again, you know, just like with 
like you said, if you're here for 15 practices and you're gone, it wasn't a good fit. So it's got to be good attrition. Something, you know, there's something wrong there. And whether it's you don't fit the scheme or what have you, it was interesting that he was practicing with Sinceri instead of with Williams. But uh, um, anyway, you know, they're going to find somebody as good or better. So I, I'm fine with that one. I'm going to agree with you there. Uh, Edge Shaquan Bowser. Good. There is no indication that he could play at this level. Edge Devin Grant. Uh, I'm going to say that's good attrition, too. I mean, he's been here so long and got a lot of playing time and, and just hasn't really progressed and done much again, you know, maybe coaching issues, whatever. But he sort of seemed to peak his first year. Yeah, he's a tweener at this level. You know, I think if he goes to like a UTSA or something like that, uh, he yeah. could be a little bit more of a hand in the ground at that level and would be a pretty good player. And not quite quick enough to play the edge up here. Caden Ludwig from Oregon. Yeah, uh, this is good. This is good attrition. Yeah. yeah, he is really fun to watch in high school. But even then, you could kind of tell uh, the size. I just don't. He put on a bunch of weight between uh, his sophomore junior year. Got the offer from CU, but kind of just peaked in terms of yeah. his physique. I don't. It just wasn't going to be big enough to play Pac-12 football. Zion no. no. Magali. I think we agree on good attrition here. Yeah, good attrition, yeah. Linebacker, Mr. Williams. Uh, I'm going to call that bad because I think he could have had a role, and, and I'm not I'm not sold yet that we've got enough depth at the inside linebacker position to be safe. And I think Mr. Williams is a guy that could give you some good plays in the right situations. I'm going to go good attrition. I didn't see pac speed out of him coming back from those injuries. But I sure love his toughness. He, if we're playing 90s football, 80s football, like he's a guy that can, can kind of plug the middle. He reminds me a little bit of Akil Jones in that sense. He had Mr. had a little bit more versatility in terms of pass coverage, but just not quite yeah. as fast as, as I'd want a linebacker to be going forward here at Colorado. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I guess I, I just still need to see the guy that's replacing him. That's going to be a sure thing. So, well, I think the guy that might replace him. They like Marvin Ham playing more of a traditional inside linebacker role. Okay. And Marvin Ham is another guy that's, you know, it's like, when's the light going to come on? I think it did this spring, but we'll see. Okay. Well, okay. I hope so because he sure has the potential. But, man, year after year, he just nothing seems to click. So maybe in this defense with this staff, it would it, be the way. All right. Going back to the departing guys, cornerback Nico Reed. I think that's bad attrition. I, I think I think the kid can play, flat-out play. Uh, I think he's really darn good. Um, and you need a lot of cornerbacks. Um, is he going to be one of our top two, three? Maybe he's our number four guy, but he certainly can get out there and play and put five guys on the field. He's going to be one of them. Yeah, that's bad attrition for me as well. That's one of the most competitive players I've yeah. ever covered at CU. Yeah. And he's going to – did he find a place yet or is he – He's not committed anywhere, but okay. I think he's – I'd be surprised if he doesn't win power five. Right. Cornerback Jason Oliver. That's good attrition. Yeah, just because of the level of cornerbacks right. that they can now attract. Right. Right. Tavion Beasley, another in and out. Yeah, same story. So, you know, uh, I think he's a guy, and I think there was some speculation on the board that, you know, that, that Prime gave him a shot at this level, and he just isn't quite good enough. And so I think that's good attrition. Cornerback Joshua Wiggins. Good attrition. 
yeah, he did some things his first spring in Boulder as an early enrollee, but again, just was probably not going to be able to get on the field going forward. And same with Keyshawn Mills. I think we'd agree good attrition here. Yeah. Yep. Nigel Bethel Jr. Good attrition. I think he's, you know, uh, he's one of those guys. Hadn't he been here for seven or eight years? And, you know, this is the last time around, and he's just not going to compete with the guys coming in. Yeah, it just hasn't been the same since that that ACL injury, yeah. and it's too bad because he was really starting to play good football. Yeah. He had a big interception in their win at Arizona in 2020 during that abbreviated season. And then early in 2021, he was playing well in the nickelback role. He had yeah. a really beautiful play against AM on third down. And it was like, okay, this is Bethel Jr.'s right, like you said, Breaking with out. Ham is the liking to turn on. It had turned on for him and then he yeah. tears his ACL. And so right. A real bummer there, but uh, you've got to put that in good attrition. What about Simeon Harris? This is a tougher one for me. I, I think it's good attrition. I mean, you know, he, he showed some things, but again, you know, you look at the level of guys we're bringing in with Coach Prime, and I just don't think he fits. Yeah, I really like him and his competitive spirit, like Nico, just really competitive kid. He's best suited for the nickelback roll kind of in the box but for him to do that at the power five level with his frame is difficult i think yeah. if he can go down to like um i think utah state is a place that's looking at him that would be a great yeah. fit for him right defensive back tyron taylor uh i'd call that good as well i hesitated for a second because he does bring some versatility there yeah but they're bringing in some some really good players at safety as right. well and safety Dylan Dixon. That's a that one's a surprise to me, um, and I don't really know the whole story. I, I'm going to call it good attrition because I think we're going to bring in plenty of, of guys that are better. But um, he's a he's one that's interesting to me to see where he winds up and how he does. I really thought he was going to be a player. I'm going to go good attrition, and I think he's going to be a good player somewhere else. But it was going to be tough for him to get on the field at Colorado the, the next couple of years. Safety, Xavier Smith. That's good attrition. Yeah, just never really got to, to see yeah. much of him. He was came in hurt and was hurt pretty much most of the time. Safety, Jeremy Mack. Uh, good attrition. He's been here. He's been here a while and hadn't really shown that much. It's just a size issue with him. He's not Pac-12 size, but yeah. I like his competitiveness and think that he's going to do well if, again part of this group of guys if they go group of five will really be able to be pretty competitive okay so i think that's it let me add it up here you've got 10 20 30 43 good attrition and 10 bad and i've got eight bad 45 good so pretty pretty close to I think we disagreed on those defensive linemen, but uh, other than that, they're pretty close. And I think it's, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, th I think overall, clearly you look at the roster and, you, and it's, and it's got to be better now. So it's roughly 80 to 85% of their attrition has been good attrition. That's a pretty good number. Yeah. When you talk about the fact that Shadur Sanders, Travis Hunter, Jimmy Horn, you go down the list, these guys transferred in to fill some of these spots. So 
depth is a concern at this point, William, and uh, we're going to find out how that depth shakes out here in the coming months as they get more commitments. Of the guys that are committed to come in this summer, are there any of those summer arrivals that you're really anxious to chart how they do once they get on campus? Yeah, I think I think the two Alabama guys, Des Moines Kennedy at linebacker and Jack Hez Robinson, I think uh, are, are very excited about it. I mean, you know, if, if Kennedy and um, Dante, uh, the other linebacker that came from before spring. Bonta Bentley? Bonte Bentley, yeah. I, I think those two could be uh, you know, our best pair of line, inside linebackers in a long time. So I'm curious, I'm curious to watch them. Um, you know, Xavier Weaver Weaver uh could be another one of those really hard to cover wide receivers. Um, and then I think, you know, we're not set at running back, at least I don't think we are. So I want to see what Cavassier Smoke can do um at that position. Uh, you're killing me smalls. Savelle Smalls on the edge, I think, is an exciting prospect. He's another one that maybe with the change of uh, of venue will will the lights will come on because if he ever winds up uh, living up to his potential, uh, he's going to be a good one. Yeah, it sounds like he was actually expected to have a pretty big role at Washington these next couple of years. So a lot of people are down on Smalls because he was this five-star, can't-miss guy coming in, and he didn't start those first few years on campus, but uh, like if the Washington folks were doing the good attrition, bad attrition, based on what I've heard, they would put him in the bad attrition category because uh, he had some guys that were just more experienced uh, ahead of him, uh, but is a guy that I would be very surprised if he doesn't have a big role uh, on the defense this year. Yeah, you know, he wasn't sitting on a bench behind scrubs. He was sitting behind guys that are going to play at the next level. Did you mention uh, Derek McClendon? I'm looking forward to him. I was just yeah, I was just saying that when um, when, we, when you broke in there. But so Derek McClendon is another one on the edge that I think could be very exciting. Um, and then um, you know all the big linemen coming in. I'm curious to watch Bailey and BB and Connor and Harden and Wallace and McNeil. That kind of sounded like I was doing the the reindeer Bailey for Santa Bailey and BB and Connor and Harden. <laughs> um, so you know they bring a lot of size. So, you know, I'm curious to see if guys like Wallace and McNeil can improve, you know, make it make us better on the defensive line at this level. So uh, all those big guys will be interesting to watch. You ready for a big prediction here, William? Go ahead. I predict that Landon Beebe from Missouri State is going to come in and he's going to challenge Van Wells for the starting center job. Well, I don't think that's a big prediction. I think I think you, I, I was expecting you to say he's going to win it and be the starting center. I think. Yeah, I think I think he's off completely off the radar of most CU fans. Yeah. And yeah. from everything I hear from right. folks uh, that I talk to that are in the know in the program, they're really excited to get him on campus. Well, and I think and I think that what Van Wells needs is a guy to kick him in the ass because up to this point in his college career, there's been nobody to push him to make him better because he's the best guy, right? So you bring in a Landon baby who's who's going to have, let's face it, he's in his last year. He, he's got to make it happen, right? So he's got that hunger and he's got that experience and he's been all conference at his level. Um, uh, so I think having him push Van Wells is a great thing. And, and you know what? If he wins the job and is better, great. So be it. You know, I'm not Van Wells' dad or anything. It's, I just think he's a heck of a talent. 
Um, but I think it was clear from Bill O'Boyle that uh, that uh, he thinks Van Wells is, is a special town too, but he needs to get the fire lit. Yeah. And maybe bringing in this guy that could take his job away from him will light that fire, you know. There's 12 guys that remain from the 2022 team. Sophomore running back Anthony Hankerson. You've got tight ends Caleb Fourier, Eric Olson, and Louis Passarello. You've got offensive tackle Jared Christian Lichtenhan. We just talked about center Van Wells. You've got redshirt freshman offensive lineman Carter Edwards, junior edge Joshka Gustav, junior linebackers Marvin Ham and Isaac Hurtado, sophomore linebacker Owen Carey, and junior safety Trevor Woods. The remaining dozen guys there, William, a couple of them su- are surprising. We wouldn't have predicted that Luis Passarello, Joshka Gustav, Carter Edwards yeah. would still be on this list uh, a couple months ago. I, I, I wouldn't have bet against Carter Edwards. There's no reason to get rid of him. He's, he's a fairly highly recruited guy with some size. And so um, there hasn't been anything that I've seen that says he can't play at this level. I mean, clearly he's a better talent than, say, a Jackson Anderson. So it's not too surprising that he's not gone. It, it really kind of all depends on did he buy into the work level, and obviously he did. Um, so that one – but I think I think Passarello and, and Gustav are big surprises to me. I think uh, – but I think they're clearly like Passarello quite a bit. One is number was first one to get his number and um, sort of plays the tight end in the way that they, they like to use it, which is as a, I don't know, but sort of a glorified tackle to some extent. But um, I think it's interesting that the three guys that remain at uh, tight end are all those traditional tight end type bodies. And so, it remains to be seen what uh, Lewis is going to do with the tight end position. And if we bring in anybody else in this portal, but it's, it's, it's interesting. If Lewis Passarello starts this season and is a positive impact player for the buffs, would that be more or less of a comeback story than what Jarek Broussard did back in 2020? Uh, well, I, I, I think it'd be a, a much bigger story because I don't think anybody, including myself, ever thought Louis Passarello even belonged at this level. Um, I don't know why the heck he got a scholarship, but look, you know, the new staff came in and they liked the kid. So I, I think he's one of, I think he's another one of those guys though, that, that unless he's all America level, man, a, a lot of guys on the board are not ever going to get on board with Louis Passarello just because of who he is. Right. Um, but if the staff if the staff likes him, if Brewster likes him, you got to give him some credit for that. And um, there's got to be a reason. So it'll be interesting to see how Lewis uses the um, tight end position in his offense and what Brewster does as far as playing time. So what's left in terms of needs here? You've got as 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 of the recording of this, nineteen open scholarships. So you kind of have needs across the board, but. Tight ends come segueing from the Passarello discussion. Tight end probably has to be number one, right? In terms of the need I, I, this well, do they? I don't know. I was going to say, you know, real quick the, to some of those other guys. I I don't know what's going to happen with some of them. I I look at Josh Gustav and I have a hard time thinking he's at the same level as some of these edge players coming in. Um, he's had some medical issues. I yeah. I don't know what the situation is there. I'm going to be anxious to see if he's actually on the roster come August. Yeah. But some before, before the injuries, he was starting to develop into a yeah. pretty decent player. 
Well, yeah, he, he showed a lot of things in the 2020, 2021, and then, you know, kind of had some trouble. But some of these other guys, I think, I think Lichtenhans could be one of the best tackles in the, in the, in the conference. You know, I think that uh, Isaac Hurtado certainly showed something at linebacker to this staff. You know, Trevor Woods is going to play a lot, and they love him back there at safety. So, I'll, you know, of the 12 guys left, some of those guys are going to make a real difference on this team. So what's but, what, what's remaining here? Pretty I, I much still, across the board. Well, I still think I still think big defensive tackles is the number one need on this team. They don't have enough. They got five, and 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 you know a couple of those guys are smaller guys. And, you know from P five standards of, of size of defensive tackles. So I think they need a couple more absolutely, and they can't be projects or stiffs. They got to be guys that can play. So that's still the biggest need to me. Uh, I'm still not convinced we have that game-changing pass rusher on the team, um, you know, even with – even with um, Jordan Dominic. Jordan Dominic. Dominic. Um, he didn't show that to me in the spring. Uh, but uh, so those will be the top two things. Um, I'm not sure we got our top running back, frankly. I like Hankerson, what he did in the spring. Um, uh, Smoke will be interesting to see what he does, so I'm not sure we're done at running back. Um, looks like we're probably going to bring in another offensive lineman or two. Um, yeah, they're at 12 scholarship offensive linemen. Typically, you want that number to be about 14 or 15, right? Well, but that's including guys that are, you know, your, your freshmen, the redshirt freshmen that are developing, I guess. So I think they've got I, – I, I think I like what they're doing in terms of a two deep on the offensive line with some of these guys still coming in. But some of the guys they're looking at are very exciting, you know, uh, Cameron Johnson, I'd like to have him. I wanted him when he was a freshman, you know, when he was committed to us for 30 seconds. But um, so I still think they're they're looking at some linemen that could make a big difference on this team. Um, but the tight end question, I think, is, is you know, I wonder what they're, how they're talking about that in the coach's room. Are we going to use the tight end? What are we looking for? You know, and, and so, but I would say they clearly need another one. Well, they want to utilize the tight end quite often, but because of this up-tempo scheme, you, you're not going to be rotating a bunch of guys. So you need that every down type of tight end, which Sedu Traore just wasn't naturally a fit for that. Right. Right. And so that's why when we were talking about him, it's like he's probably going to go somewhere, catch a lot of balls and make Colorado fans envious that he's not on the team. But it's like, yeah, but the system doesn't fit him. Um, right. and sometimes and, and, you want to tailor certain things within your system to what the players do best, but when you're going up tempo, to my point, you can't have guys running up on and off the field a bunch. Right. And what you need, you know, what you need in this offense is somebody to exploit the defense when they start when they start to uh, adjust to try to cover all the receivers, right? And so you need something underneath, whether that's a running back or a tight end. But that tight end has to be somebody. He doesn't have to be a guy that can catch fifty balls. He needs to be somebody that can block in a running game, but also, you know, uh, do some damage underneath that umbrella. I guess you could say he could be a Lewis Passarello type. Huh? Right. There you go. Right. <laughs> Why well, wouldn't it, wouldn't that be funny? I mean, you know, I mean, I, I want that to happen so badly. Right. It's like, I'd like to see him. Wouldn't that be crazy if he ended up with 30 or 40 catches, you know, and the board would be apoplectic, you know, but uh, that would be so much fun to me. We'd be telling our grandkids about Lewis Passarello when Lewis he turned Passarello. around. He made. You know, next, next time we did our, next time we did our uh, uh, Mount Rushmore of CU, positions when we got the tight end Louis Passarello <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness it is strange 
to have see you in the national spotlight, William. Again, I've done all these radio interviews and you go on to the front of ESPN and there's a headline about what's happening in Boulder. ESPN coming in to broadcast the spring game when no other college football spring games are televised nationally on the main ESPN channel. It still has not sunk in for me. Has it for you? Well, I, my first thought when I saw that question in your production plan was, I was there before, man. You know, I was there in the in the late '80s and the early '90s, and you know, I traveled with the team to the first Orange Bowl, and I remember when we were huge and we were ranked in the top ten, and everybody was coming to campus, and you know, great recruiting and whatever. And I, it's still very vivid to me. Um, so from that perspective, no, it's not strange at all. It's like, where you been, old friend? You know, but compared to the last 12 years of just desperate futility, uh, it's kind of mind-boggling, really. It's kind of mind-blowing to think that it could turn around. I mean, I, you know, I, I midway through last season, I was kind of giving up. And the wife said, you know, you got to stop. You just you can't watch it. You can't go on the board because it's not good for you, man. It's not it's not doing you. You're not happy. It's supposed to be something that's a outside of everything else and makes you feel good. And you know when they got rid of uh, uh, Durrell, I'm, I, I was quite frankly thinking to myself, who the hell is going to come and take this? Who wants to step into this mess, right? And so to get Deion Sanders um, and you see, it, it, I don't think there's anything, I don't think there's ever been anything in the whole long history of college football that quite compares with the turnaround of CU football in the last five months. Um, you know, from being a laughing stock and a, and a, and a dumpster fire, uh, I think of that gift people put up every day where that dumpster is, is floating down the river on fire. That was us. We're a floating dumpster fire, man. We're not just a regular dumpster fire. And to see where we are now and um, I believe we're going bowling. I believe it. You know, um, not sure how much I believe it if I was going to Vegas on it, but um, uh, I look at the talent coming in here and, and, you know, just as importantly, the talent of this coaching staff. And I think people are going to see finally that it makes a big darn difference how good your assistant coaches are. And these ones are really damn good. So it's exciting. It's fun to have the media all over it. You know, it's fun to have the ESPN come here and do spring ball. And um, it's fun to have people trash us out, talk about we suck and we're running off all of our players. You know, I mean, what the heck? It's like, you know, we were big bad CU back in the day when we were good. And the only, only time people ever trash you out is when, is when, you're, is when you're a threat. So it's pretty exciting. Yeah. Coach Prime says that he's a need-to-be-needed person, and uh, he was needed at Colorado. Yeah. And, oh, and he, he has sensed that since he's gotten the job. And uh, I think that fuels him, and it's fueling this this whole staff you know, around him. Uh, yeah, the, the spring game was uh, a surreal experience covering that. And uh, so ho- hopefully Coach Prime's around for, I don't know, five years, and we can have some more of those and, and maybe sneak in a – a 60 degree day one of those yeah. years it doesn't seem crazy to me that he could you know stay here for a while because he certainly seems to fit in and loves the place and he got that got that beautiful house and, and i don't know i i think Deion sanders is a guy that's 
comfortable wherever he is, man. You drop him in the Arctic Circle, and he's going to be the biggest thing in the Arctic Circle, you know, and just going to be happy and fit in and make it great. But he has been welcomed here, I think, in a way that he probably didn't imagine. Um, and he could, he, he, you know, he, he could be the guy, you know, that, you know, in 10 years there's a statue of him outside a stadium or something. So we'll see. It, it's, it's very exciting. And there's just really no downside to any of it to me right now. My wife was uh, shooting the spring game, was down on the field shooting photos. Hopefully people got a chance to see her photo galleries. She was really bummed out that she didn't get a chance to photograph Ralphie coming out. Oh, yeah. I felt bad for her, but I thought it was perfect because the first time that Coach Prime is going to run out on the Folsom Field behind Ralphie Six is going to be when Nebraska is in the building. Yeah. How great is that? Yeah, and I hope I got. I hope I, yeah. you talk about my feelings about kickers are bursting with love compared to my feeling towards the cornholers in, in Nebraska. And uh, the wife the wife has said, we may not be able to go to that game because I'm not sure I trust you <laughs> with that fan base. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to um, find a way to get in there too, which – Oh, yeah. yeah. That fan base, you have to credit them for their I don't ability have to, to I take don't over. I have to credit nothing. <laughs> They got nothing else, man. Hey, hey, hooray for you for escaping the corn belt and coming to a nice place. Well, when Matt Rule had those comments, uh, what would you call that? A uh, passive aggressive statement? Well, I, yeah, I'd call it penis envy if I was a Freudian, but. <laughs> Goodness. Okay. But anyway. Sleep that one out. I loved it because this is what Colorado has been missing since they joined the Pac 12. Yeah, this animosity and, you know, there's threads on our message board every couple of days about something happening in Nebraska. Yeah. And that's, that's great. Yeah. And it's never really developed with Utah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I respect Utah. I mean, you know, they're doing it the way you should do it. And so I've never really kind of had that. And, and they, you know, you know, Sal was my friend, man. And when they mocked his death, I'd still burn with hatred over that. You know, and I remember going out there to games after I was done playing and, you know, they busted out a window of our car because we had a Colorado plate. It's like, they want to talk about bad fans? All right, come on in, pal. We'll have that conversation. But uh, there's there's a there's a animosity there that I don't think is matched in, in, in you know, I don't know some of these Michigan and Ohio State things and where, where the teams truly hate each other's ever-loving guts, but – I think we match them up for 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 the animosity between the two fan bases. I got a question for you. You can pick Colorado will either beat Nebraska in September or they will beat USC in USC's final game in Boulder as members of the Pac-12. Which of those two would you pick? That's not even a question, man. I don't give really? a damn about Southern Cal. I, I, I don't. You know, it, in that scenario – Assuming that we get to go bowling in either one, I'll take beating Nebraska in Folsom Field and, and having a three-win. Even against a program you've never beaten before. Don't get care. That, to get that monkey there, off your back. There, there, there's no there, – yeah, but there's no history, you know. I mean, I don't know. You know, I, I was in the I was in the house when, when Coach Mack put them up in red on the schedule in the old team house, and people made fun of him, laughed in his face. You know, and I was there 
the first time when we beat them 20 to 10, I think it was 86, you know, and, and after the game, the Nebraska players are crying, we will never lose them again, blah, blah, whatever, you know, and I was there in Lincoln when we were, when we were upset, you know, when we lost seven to nothing and JJ Flanagan dropped the ball in, you know, middle of the field with nobody near him, you know, and, um, there's just so much history that goes back so far and it's so personal to so many of us, you know. Um, but you do get to play at Nebraska, at least in 2024, whereas USC, this yeah. is this is it. Well, that's all right. We'll get them someday. You know, we'll meet them in a national championship if they ever get there. But I don't know. There's just there's just no there's just no feeling to me that we were ever really a, their rival or whatever. I don't know. Does your hatred for Nebraska go as far as that you won't wear red? Of oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because well, and 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 you know, Coach Mack was a he was serious about that man. You show up in that team house wearing red, you're in real real trouble. I mean, it, people talk about that, but it was a thing, you know. Um, and so for those of us who were there at that time, and again, like I said, you know, those were emotional times for a lot of us. We were young, and there was a lot going on. Uh, you know, those wins were were epic, and 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 Coach Mack made it so real, uh, uh, and we'd be down in practice. And, you know, we I remember one day after practice, he's gathering the team around. He's talking about we were playing them that week, and he's talking, this this team didn't want any of you. Not one of you guys got an offer from this team and just stoking it up, you know. And those of us who kind of lived through that, it's sort of built into our DNA now. And there's a lot of new Colorado fans that probably wonder, well, what happened from that era to when coach prime arrived. And I got to say, that's a story for another day. Cause that yeah. we could do a 10 part podcast series talking about everything from new Heisel to the oh, Barnett goodness. and the scandal to Embry. I mean, there's just so yeah. much that has happened right. since the Mac era. Yeah. How do you, how do you go from literally one of the top three programs in the country to literally the worst program in the country in the space of, I don't know, what is it? Uh, I have to do the math on It's really that. about 20, 20 years. years, 21, because yeah. it was really, really kind of that scandal, late Barnett, that where things started to kind of fall off the the tracks in, in the sense that, like, Colorado wasn't going to bowl games consistently anymore. Yeah, and I, and I, but I, I still remember that. Uh, I don't know if it was the first or second or third year under New Heisel when we had a losing season. It was just unthinkable. How could this happen it's at mighty CU? So it was, you know, it just sort of fell off a little bit at the time until, um, you know, there, there wasn't any ever, ever any moment when the bottom fell out. It just sort of like an old car parts kept falling off of it until. Well, it, it fell out twice in terms of, Colorado finished dead last out of FBS programs in scoring margin twice. John yeah. Embry's second season right. and last year. And Mike McIntyre now has this really weird place in Colorado football history where he didn't leave on the best terms, but you start to appreciate some of the stuff he did a little bit more. Yeah. And 2016 was such a fun ride right. that all of a sudden McIntyre kind of has this fun place in a lot of folks Heart that are Colorado fans. I think, and, and you you mentioned that uh, the, all the years um, that uh, the two years, and that's probably going to sound funny to people. They're going to think that the, the two funnest years I ever remember of CU football was that 2016 
And then I think it was it was the first year we got a bowl game under Coach Mack, and I want to say it was uh, 85 or 86, right? And we were like uh, – uh, seven, seven of we, we, we were one in a 10, I think the year before, and then we went seven and four. Um, and, uh, like, you know, we had moments in that season, like Mickey Pruitt sacking a quarterback against Arizona and, 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 you know, little things like that. And, and those two seasons, even more so than the national championship seasons and the 10 and 0 seasons were so satisfying and fun because what came before them was not good. Yeah. Right. And so that turnaround and, and, you know, knock on wood, I'm hoping this is one of those seasons, too. And people will see what I'm talking about, that after you suffer that much and you and you start to win games, it is so satisfying and fun. And, and you just feel like you're part of something very special. And I remember being there during the turnaround with Coach Mack that, that it's so, you know, almost at, when, when you're great every year, it's nothing special. We're just great all the time. When you turn it around, that turnaround season is so special. It's just hard. I, I don't know if you could tell. I'm kind of getting kind of emotional, you know, so. Especially with 16, Stephel Lufau being the quarterback yeah. made it feel really good. And this was a guy that was just a warrior. He didn't have a whole lot of talent, to be honest right. with you. I mean, there were times in practice Jordan Gerke was a better quarterback. Jordan yeah. Gerke's not a very good quarterback. Well, and, you know, that, that Washington State game that year in Folsom Field, he put the team on his back, and he won the damn game. And I will say that, you know, to anybody who, who you know, he literally refused to let us lose that game. They, they kept running that quarterback draw off tackle and and the, the poor guy probably needed an ambulance after the game but he was so tough he was just literally not going to let us lose that game and then every seemed like every you know uh uh lindsey philip lindsey showing up that season and then there was a different hero every week you know I, i'm trying to remember the guy in the secondary who made the big Tedrick uh, thompson for, well no made no the, he wasn't a starter i think he was a fourth that made that fourth down stop um Oh, Nick Fisher. Yeah. Nick Fisher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I was standing next to his parents in the stands when it happened. And I was hugging his mom. And I was like, you know, and I don't know. It, it was just super exciting. And, you know, um, who who were the, the kids that the offensive tackle and the brother was a tight end? Um, the Irwins. Sean Irwin. Miss Irwin used to bring me up briskets from Texas every time she'd come up. And I, it was just special. You know, it was yeah. just super yeah, should have stayed home and not gone down at San Antonio, though. That that was kind of a, a rough performance. Yeah, there. well, you know, by the, by the end of that season, by the, by the, we were just wore out. We didn't have the depth. You know, we were just wore out. And you watched against Washington. It's just like we and and I think it's emotional. They gave everything that a human being could give to win that division and win those games down the stretch, and they just didn't have anything left to give. I mean that that team was emotionally spent, yeah. Before they ever got to that Washington game, and I think that was as big of a thing as anything. There's no question they celebrated the Pac-12 South title victory over Utah like it was their Super Bowl, right? And to your point of where the program had been, they kind of deserved that moment, even though right. it made it hard to then get up and get ready for the Pac-12 championship game the next week. It's right. you certainly couldn't blame those young men that had no. been through. You know, the battles, Cheeto Bay, Awuzie, Tedra Thompson, right. Kenneth Olobode that had suffered so many close losses and to right. finally get over the hump that, yeah, I, I, I think it would have been 
unrealistic to ask yeah. them to have a workmanlike attitude after that. Yeah, and I think that they, you know we we just weren't built on defense to handle a big mauling team like like Washington that year. We didn't have to beef up front. We only had three defensive linemen. They were darn good ones, but we didn't have the depth. And then our outside linebackers, we just didn't. We just got mauled on the outside, you know. Um, and you know, Washington, to their credit, had a lot of talent and and, and found our weakness and used and exposed it. I mean, Washington state, Utah didn't have that ability, but uh, it was just, it, it's, it's still sort of a magical season. You know, it all kind of came apart shortly thereafter buff stuff, but uh, you can't, you, you can't ever take that away when you start like you bringing it back to me. Now I start thinking about each individual game and just how exciting it was. Yeah. If you are a new Colorado fan, you can go to YouTube and type in the rise and John Snelson and his team have an Emmy winning documentary on that season that I think it, if I get bored sometime between now and camp, I might go back through that because when, that let, me, let me ask you this, put you on a spot a little bit, see if you can remember when, when was the point in that season when you started going, Hey, we might have something here. The Akella Witherspoon pick. Oh, that, that moment. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was a little bit before that for me. It was that long run by Philip Lindsay against Arizona State. Okay. And I thought, wow, we haven't seen that in a while. Well, that was after the Oregon game. Because Oregon was the conference opener. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, that – yeah, the, the Akello, you know, the big win against Oregon. But some, something about that big run by Philip Lindsay, I was like – because everybody was like, well, he doesn't have breakaway speed. Well, he sure does. So, just – the, the, and, and that was another thing about that season. You know, uh, Philip Lindsay was another guy, undersized, and just such a big heart. You know, I'll, I'll never, I don't remember which game that was with Mark Johnson. With, with Lindsay gets hit at the like two yard line, just drags the whole defense in, and Mark Johnson, Lindsay, Lindsay. So that's Gus Johnson who was on that call. That, was it okay? Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, that was that was a great moment in that season. We started talking about the transfer portal, and we somehow end up talking about <laughs> the 2016 Pac-12 South championship team. I think we tried to cling on to the the last fun season that that we've been around. Well, in I, I think yeah, I, I think the connection is the excitement the coach Prime has brought. You know, I think that's how we got back there talking about him and and you know. Uh, what what fun it would be to have that happen again this sort of yeah. thing how we got there so i think you know it's a fun time right now i mean I, I i can't see why anybody would not be positive and and excited about everything cu related right now um you know. has it helped your blood pressure because you were mentioning that your wife was <laughs> giving you almost an ultimatum with cu football yeah. during that one and eleven fun last fall yeah it, it's a lot better you know it's a lot more fun um you know, uh, again, to have it be a fun thing instead of a, a chore and a drag. So, yeah, it's been positive. Well, this is my job, but it's not your day job. You've got uh, work to get back to. Yeah. So we'll end the podcast here. But, William, this was a, a lot of fun. And, again, I hope none of the players to take offense to us calling them good attrition. That was, again, trying to take the emotion out of this and just be real about the fact that right. that number of exiting players seemed alarming. but. Uh, the vast majority of those guys, you kind of needed to move on. So right. hopefully that was a good exercise for fans out there. And uh, always appreciate you, William. Let's let's do a film room sometime okay. soon. We got a lot of a lot of incoming transfers to talk yeah, about. A lot, a lot to look at for sure. All right, and thanks to all of you 
out there for tuning in.